Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. Antimasic just completed a review of their previous fiscal year where they saw net portfolio values grow impressively. Of course, this happening also in the back of a lot of market volatility that really drove a lot of asset prices higher, thanks in part to a lot of stimulus and uncertainty brought about by the COVID 19 pandemic. Of course, the road ahead still seems rather uncertain. But in the meantime, Tomasek seems to have made some interesting shifts, at least, to their investments and their and their holdings for the most part. We'd like to talk about what Tomasek is looking forward to in the next 12 months and how they did actually in what was a rather tumultuous uh, but fruitful year for markets. Today on Money FM 89.3, we're joined by Mr. Fok Wai Hung, who is Tomasek's Managing Director for Investments. He's also oversees the telecommunications, media and technology arm and is also the Managing Director for Investments in the Southeast Asia region. He's here to uh, talk us through the highlights of Tomasek's uh, previous fiscal year and what opportunities and risks they're going to be monitoring in the year ahead. Wai Hong, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these rather uh, uncertain times. And thank you so much for joining us the show. Happy Tuesday, sir. Thanks so much. And it's great to be here. Hi, everyone. All right. So Wai um, Hong, um, you know, I do want to just start off by looking at Tim Masek's uh, net portfolio val- value, which actually impressed. I believe it came up to uh, just uh, to uh, it, it's about 24 percent jump, actually, in the fiscal year. But I want to give you room to actually talk to us about the highlights, how much it actually grew to and what drove some of the impressive gains that Tim Masek was able to achieve in those 12 months. Yeah, thank you for the question. You know, I think um, as you point out, you know, we've just released our results, and uh, you know, we've we've put out, you know, uh, our our NPV, uh, which has hit 381 billion as of 31st March 2021. Uh, our one year, you know, we measure, we call it uh, TSR, which stands for Total Shareholder Return, of 24.53 percent. You know, if you look back over a longer period of time, our 10-year TSRs were 7 percent, and 20-year TSRs at 8 percent. And it was, you know, you know, quite frankly, a very active year for us. We invested a record 49 billion. We divested a record 39 billion. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, not only from an investment activity perspective, I'd also say we've we've really doubled down uh, in terms of our engagement uh, as a as a steward um, around a number of COVID initiatives. Mm-hmm. Now, it was a very volatile time in markets when Tomasek posted these gains and might have made it even more impressive because of that. But we did see values across global markets surge on the back of generous monetary and fiscal stimulus. I do know Tomasek is a bit of a long-term investor, but I do have to ask if Tomasek managed to take, managed to take a few opportunities to take advantage of any of that short-term volatility to maximize gains at any point in this year. And if there were, if you could tell us about some instances where Tomasek was able to do that. Yeah, what, what I'll say to that is that, you know, look, we don't, we don't manage our portfolio in the short term. You know, we're constantly looking, you know, with an, uh, with an eye on tomorrow um, and managing for long-term risk-adjusted, you know, sort of uh, um, returns on capital. Um, so I think, you know, a number of the things that, you know, I think you know, we've seen this past year, quite frankly, has been around an acceleration of some of the structural trends um, that, that uh, we were focused on. Uh, and maybe for your, for your listeners, um, who, who may not be aware, we have you know, four structural trends that we're really looking to get behind. I think the first one really being digitization. Uh, and we've seen digitization uh, accelerate meaningfully through COVID. Uh, the second one being uh, sustainable living. Obviously, uh, you know, this, is, this is 
really at the core of everything that we do and, uh, and very much critical is global, global climate change uh, um, really being uh, one of the big global uh, challenges that, that are facing us today. Uh, the third being you know, sort of the future of consumption, where dollars are growing, where dollars are flowing, how consumers will work and play and, uh, and shop, quite frankly, in a, in a, in a post-COVID world. And uh, the fourth, um, uh, the, the, the fourth really being around um, uh, longer lifespans, just the notion that, that we're going to be living longer, fuller lives and how we capitalize on that. So everything that you've seen with regards to our results has been, you know, quite frankly, uh, the result of a lot of work uh, into building uh, into some of these trends over the past decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wai Hong, if I'm not mistaken, you actually are uh, the uh, the head or one of the uh, one of one of the leaders in Tomasic Tel- Telco Media and Tech uh, uh, Unit. And it was interesting during the presentation today that it was indicated that technology and media now comprise more than fifty percent of Tomasic's TMT sub portfolio, perhaps just a little bit more than the Telco uh, segment. Talk to us about whether or not this was a big shift on the part of Tomasic's uh, um, investment allocations. And, uh, and uh, you know, what drives decision-making in these particular space? What opportunities actually made uh, convince Tomasic that perhaps enlarging your exposure to the tech and media side of things was actually going to be, some, was going to be a uh, wise decision long-term? Yeah, and, um, let me come back to you on the actual number. I think what we had in the presentation was that uh, you know, elements of our financial services portfolio had shifted uh, away from banks and uh, mm-hmm. into things like insurance and fintech uh, and non-bank financial services, and that comprised more than fifty percent. Um, but I can certainly come back to you with a with an actual number for for sure. what portion uh, media and technology make of of TMT. Um, but to answer your question, uh, you know, I think um, within 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 the, the technology and media space, you know, once again, we, we've seen accelerating digitization. Um, and that's played out in a number of areas, um, you know, that, that we, we spent a lot of time in. Um, in media, quite frankly, it's, uh, you know, we've pivoted quite strongly into digital media and digital content. And if you think about technology, I'll say the three main buckets that we spend a lot of time in, um, it could be uh, consumer internet and that, you know, that, you know, encapsulates anything that, that you know, you would be familiar with, with the, the e-commerce platforms, uh, ride hailing platforms, food delivery, et cetera. Um, we spend a lot of time in, in software and what I would describe, you know, um, as maybe a little bit more of foundational technology. Um, and these are things that, that are a little more on the hardware side, um, and, uh, with semiconductors, 5g infrastructure and so on. So I hung, as you know, the digital economy seems to be a place where two of Tomasic's key investment pillars, I believe it's uh, consumer spending trends and also digitization, they seem to interlace and intersect quite nicely in the digital economy. So, uh, so which goes to show that perhaps Tomasic has a very strong interest in this particular area. What are some of the trends and opportunities in the digital economy that Tomasic perhaps is eyeing that maybe some of our listeners might not be as aware of? Thanks for the question. Um, you know, we are we are particularly excited about about the uh, the you know the opportunities that digitization as a trend offer us, and even I think you know bring it closer to home within Southeast Asia. As some of your listeners might be aware, we co-publish a report together with Google and Bain called the Google Tomasi Bain Report, and that gives gives us a snapshot of of what you know I guess the developments of the internet economy um, uh, as they as they come in this current year and our outlook uh, going forward. In our most recent report, we talked about four main areas, 
Um, and these have been content since we published the report, but also highlight maybe two or three new ones that, that are worth mentioning. You know, as you point out, you know, sort of that consumer consumption-led uh, dynamic really sits at the heart of digitization and e-commerce is the largest sector within the space. Online media is the second and online travel really being the third, uh, but also you know, dramatically impacted within COVID environment and no travel dynamic. Um, the fourth one being transport and food. And that's you know, seen quite, you know, quite frankly, it's seen a, a, a meaningful bump in the last year with everyone pivoting you know, to, from dining in or rather dining out uh, into to food delivery platforms. You know, some of the new areas um, that we're, we're starting to get you know, really excited about and, and focusing on is really digital financial services. So the question is, how, how do you pay for all these things um, in, a, in an omni-channel dynamic? And uh, I think that's an area where we've seen payments, uh, digital remittance, uh, digital insurance, um, as, uh, and, and quite frankly, digital lending as, uh, as, uh, as really interesting areas for us. Um, maybe the second um, category I'll, I'll call out, um, maybe a vertical specialization areas. And what I mean by that is you know, sort of health tech and ed tech. And health tech, um, you know, that could be telemedicine, um, e-pharmacy services. You know, we invested recently in a uh, really innovative uh, Indonesian um, telemedicine e-pharmacy business called Halodoc. And, you know, we think this is a really good example of number one, where, uh, you know, we, we see a confluence between our investment mandate and, and our broader uh, corporate purpose. Uh, but number two, uh, an example of where our, our catalytic capital can, can really come in and help accelerate Holodoc's uh, ambitions of, of bringing quality uh, healthcare uh, to, to as many Indonesians as possible, especially in a time like now where, it, you know, quite frankly, it's needed the most. We're still meeting to Mr. Fokwai Hung, Temasek's Managing Director and, and Investments in the Telco Media and Technology Arm, and also their Managing Director for Investment in Southeast Asia here on Money FM 89.3. And we're talking about Temasek's recent results and some of the trends they're tracking moving forward. All right. So, uh, Hung, I do I did notice also that based on the portfolio's geographical allocation, we've seen a shift more towards developed markets. Singapore staying at about 24%, but greater allocations to the U.S. and the European Union. Why was there such a shift? And is, does this indicate that maybe Tomasic might be just uh, getting a little bit lighter, a little more hands-off at least on some of the Asian and emerging markets where it also plays a huge uh, part or has a huge presence in? Yeah, well, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, what I'd say is, you know, I think, first of all, we remain firmly anchored in Asia. And, uh, you know, I believe it's, it's uh, um, well over 60% of, of, our, of our portfolio remains anchored in Asia. Uh, we have in, uh, increased our exposure to developed economies, um, and we've seen, you know, certainly, uh, I, if you look at the the, the percentage breakdown um, between uh, the Americas, that's gone up. Um, now, having said that, there are good ex- there are good reasons for that. Um, the 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 most obvious one is you, these numbers are a snapshot in time, and so if you go back to a year ago. Um, really, you know, through the last benchmark that we had, uh, our, our 2020 fiscal year numbers, that was in March. And um, that's when, you know, China was, was really sort of, you know, had already sort of, you know, being very early in the recovery cycle, was, was, had already lifted off, off the troughs and the lows. But, you know, that you look at the U.S. and you look at Europe, they were really still in the doldrums. And so that, I think, you know, goes to explain, you know, uh, a fair bit of, uh, the shifts in, in, in proportions this year. 
Mm-hmm. I've also noticed, uh, Hung, that uh, there was a higher investment, at least in, uh, in I believe, in uh, in non-listed assets in startup companies. Also, um, what what it, what was what drove this particular shift in uh, Temasek's portfolio? Is Temasek perhaps finding more value in some of these non-listed firms or some of these alternative or private uh, deals that uh, Temasek was able to em- embark on? Well, I, I'd say that we've always been invested in in, in unlisted uh, assets, and and if you do look at the converse, our listed portion of our port the listed portion of our portfolio continues to remain constant uh, at about thirty eight percent, and and that's the same as it was about a decade ago. So I think there there's really been no change in that. Um, um, but we do spend time looking, you know, certainly at all opportunities, both in the listed and unlisted space. Um, and we do see opportunity, and we do see, um, quite frankly, opportunities to to get risk-adjusted long-term returns uh, in both listed and unlisted. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will also add is that you know I think uh, you asked a question about earlier stage investments, and uh, the point that I'll make there is that we are a generational investor, which means our pay, our, our capital is patient and long-term, and we work today always with an eye on on tomorrow, and uh, as we go as we, we think about some of our early stage investments, it falls into this lens where we're looking to invest in innovative businesses that might have multi-decade tailwinds and become long-term compounders for us. You know, we, we, you know the technology and life sciences space you know, fall, fall quite squarely into that. Um, the last point I'll make is that we, when we do this, we don't do it just because of attractive potential returns or the fact that our long-term capital allows it, but it's also a bit of a strategic imperative for us to help position Tomasic for emerging tech-driven inflections in the future. Um, so uh, speaking about the road ahead, uh, Wai Hong, um, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty in the markets, of course, and Tomasic seems to have beautifully navigated the uncertainty from the last 12 to 15 months. But looking ahead, we do have the specter of higher inflation, monetary pressures from tightening support, perhaps complicating or making, giving the landscape a few more twists and turns. How is Tomasic preparing itself for any future uncertainty layered on top of some of these ongoing um, issues with regards to, to the COVID-19 pandemic? Good question. Um, you know, as, as we look into the future, you know, we certainly appreciate that that life is uncertain, the markets are uncertain. Um, but you know, I think you know we're we're comforted by the fact that we take a bottoms-up approach to sourcing investments. Uh, so everything is really done on an asset by asset basis. We're looking for great companies run by great management teams, and and certainly uh, that pass our intrinsic value tests uh, to generate a long-term uh, um, rate of a uh, risk-adjusted rate of return. Um, but you know, I think the, the real message I'd love for you and your viewers to take home is that as we look to the future, um, we do think about very much about building a resilient future-ready portfolio. We also want to make sure that at whatever we do, sustainability is key and remains at, at, at our core. And lastly, I think you know, this is all going to be supported by, by bolstering our own internal management bench by bringing new talents in, uh, growing the talents that we've got and, and enhancing the capabilities that we have. And uh, because ESG seems to be a huge driver and sustainability a huge driver in a Temasek, I can't let you go, Waihong, without asking for how Temasek perhaps drives the adoption of ESG principles, not within the group itself, but within the different companies on port- and the holdings that Temasek is invested in. Does Temasek make, uh, try to at least drive or urge the adoption of more of these sustainability and ESG principles in some of their holding companies? And how does Temasek uh, do, do, so, or, or do so in an effective manner? 
I think within the institution, a couple of things. First, we've adopted an initial internal carbon price, and that's a, a 42 US dollars. And we embed that into our investment decision-making process. As you might know, we uh, also achieved carbon neutrality as an organization two years ago. We maintained that last year and look to maintain that going forward. Maybe the third point is we do also have a sustainably linked component in our long-term employee incentives, really to make sure that this mindset is helps guide everyone within the organization. With regards to the portfolio, we've committed to having our 2010 carbon emissions by 2030, and we have ambitions of going to net zero carbon emissions for the entire portfolio by 2050. If I remember correctly, you asked specifically what we're doing to, to help encourage that. I think with regards to the portfolio, we've advanced dialogues with all of them on their climate strategies and their, their climate and sustainability transformation plans. Most importantly, we've created a sustainability council that's comprised of CEOs of our portfolio companies, as well as sustainability leaders within Tomasic to share best, best practices, knowledge and tools for carbon measurement, physical climate risk assessments, and climate-related disclosures. I think as, a, as an organization, we continue to invest in climate-aligned opportunities, and uh, we also look to enable carbon-negative solutions. And that could be things like carbon capture, utilization, and storage. Fokwai Huang, Tomasic's Managing Director for Investment in Southeast Asia. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to brief us with Tomasic's performance in the previous year and what challenges and opportunities Tomasic is monitoring in the year ahead. As always, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these uncertain times. We look forward next time we can speak to you on the show again. Meanwhile, do stay safe and we appreciate the time, sir. Thank you and same to you and yours. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.